King Shariyar and his brother King Shahzaman of India and China suspect their suffering to be unique in this world. Their wives have slept with other men, and this drives them to grief, to madness. Shahzaman skewers his wife and her lover. Shariyar begins to take a new bride each night only to have her killed the next morning. Parents grieve. The kingdom darkens. Eventually, Shahrazad, the vizier's daughter, comes up with a plan. She offers herself as a bride, but holds Shariyar's attention night after night with stories that end on a cliffhanger. With every dawn, the king decides to let her live, burning to know what comes next. This goes on for 1,001 nights, hence the name of the famous Middle Eastern folktale collection. Here comes the good news: this 8th to 14th century compilation, created in Arabic during the Islamic Golden Age, was recently retranslated in a new Norton edition by the British Syrian poet Yasmin Seal in 2021. Thank you for tuning in to the Global Novel. I'm Claire Hennessy. Joining us today is the book's editor, Dr. Paulo Lemos Horta, associate professor of literature at New York University Abu Dhabi. Professor Horta is also the author of *Marvelous Thieves: Secret Authors of the Arabian Nights*. Welcome, Paulo. Thank you for coming to the Global Novel to talk about this significant work of world literature. Thank you so much. It's、uh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure to be here. And you're connecting from Barcelona, right? Yes, I am. How exciting! Well, to begin with, Omar El Akkad has reminded us that 1001 Nights has become a kind of social osmosis for anyone who has read at least a version of Sinbad and Shahrazad, Ali Baba, and Aladdin in his or her native language. He also wittily reminded us that every story in the global canon of fantastical literature is, in some way, a vessel shipwrecked on the rocks of its misinterpretation, which I think captures really well the nature of translation and cultural exchange. So, what do you think makes the Knights a world classic when it journeyed across borders and languages a millennium ago? That's a very good question.、Um... Um, the funny thing is that it, it's not, in a way, a classic, either in its original context、um, in the Arab world, nor really entirely in translation.、Um, in in Arabic, the story collection was definitely middle brow. It was stories that a collection of stories that the middle class told、uh, about itself, often merchants telling stories about profligate merchants.、Um, uh, the, The stories often were about sto-、uh, merchants who、um, inherited a lot of money and quickly blew it on parties and and bad friends and、uh, bad you know bad influences and they had to remake their fortune, which is exactly how、uh, Sinbad begins.、Um, so these stories did not acquire a classical that the status of of, of classics、uh, or even of literature and、um, the story collection is a hodgepodge of so many different genres from. Uh, what we would now call horror and a fairy tale, and, a, and, a, and a, we would use a series of anachronistic terms to to interpret this sort of grab bag of you know、uh, trickster tales and, and, and、uh, animal tales and all these different kinds of morality tales,、uh, homilies, sermons,、um, these different things that make up the original the original corpus of stories that were collected、uh, in Arabic under the guise of Alfuela Walela or, or the Thousand and One Nights. So yeah, it, it, it's it's a very peculiar、uh, body of stories, and probably 
unusual in that we're still talking about it a thousand years before the stories were being told, for sure, and we have records of the stories existing. Um, and it's a case of a collection of stories from below that somehow got written down and acquired a kind of middle brow or middle class status and respectability and eventually were in mosques and monasteries and we see scribes um, jotted down their marginal notes and storytellers would borrow these pages of the of the Thousand One Nights from mosques and monasteries and go to cafes and improvise the stories um, to this middle class audience uh, of men so it's in, in that sense it's we can speculate as to how much of it was it Marvel, magic, but the stories are so varied that they probably had to have played different purposes as they voyaged first from Persian into Arabic and then from Arabic and into the wider world. Um, scholars speculate that there was something about the supernaturalism and something about the, the wonder and the adab and the magical sort of quality of the stories that changed Arabic literature and that in a way that these stories were coming from outside and offering Arabic something that didn't have quite in the same way before. But that may not be the reason why the stories traveled from there elsewhere. Uh, because the stories traveled so far and so wide, you know, via so many different trade routes. So yeah, I, I find it um, a very counterintuitive classic. <laughs> a very, It's always included in these, you know, sort of Norton classics or... Everyman classics or these, these, you're right. I mean, it's been sort of received in China and many parts of the world. And in Brazil, uh, it's referred to as a work of classic, classical literature or classic, right? But it's, it's just, in a way, it's not. Um, and it, it doesn't have that status in translation because in translation, the French, for example, don't tend to regard works of tra- in translation of the same status as works that were originally composed in French. So it had problems in its home culture and languages and problems as well in, in translation. And yet, and yet here we are. Right. Yeah. I still remember reading it in Mandarin as a child and became so fascinated with its plots. Mm-hmm. Could you please share some insights on its major themes and motifs that made it a perennial favorite across the world? I think so. Um, w- one basic theme is, this, uh, is of this sort of, Every man, middle class character in a supernatural circumstance. Right. So there's a, there's kind of an, a lovely contrast between a very urban landscape of Damascus of, uh, or Baghdad or Cairo, where the stories were often set and where they were certainly written down, um, and these narrow streets and the commercial preoccupations of the protagonists, which are, you know, exchanging olive jars and, and worried about their stores and their profits and, and, and the world of, of the jinn and the ghouls that are interfering with their lives and playing tricks on them and, and sometimes helping them sometimes uh, opposing their uh, progress through life. So there's something very elemental about, about the stories uh, in, 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 uh, in that sense. Um, and the stories are also, as as the story that you were you were summarizing at the beginning for for your uh, listeners, um, uh, women play such an important role in that frame story. Um, these you know the, these very uh, domestic stories of betrayal, and then we have the figure of Sharazad who is telling these all these stories to a king who has been betrayed, 
And why is she telling him the stories? Is she trying to cure his psychology? Is she trying to seduce him? Is there, you know, there's a whole repertoire of ways of trying to interpret this fundamental predicament of this damaged man who has uh, all his brides under threat of, of execution and the, the, his vizier's daughter, Sherazad, who volunteers to be in that predicament with this plan to tell him stories and to save um, not only herself, but all the women of the kingdom by telling him stories. And, and she's possibly not only her own execution, but the execution of the woman who would come after her. Um, and why, uh, as I, you know, for a long time, there was this tradition of a kind of, of, of viewing that, that, um, dynamic between this man and this woman as, as, her trying to heal him or cure him. Um, but that is not necessarily what the text says. And she, she seems to be very concerned with saving the women of the kingdom, which is, which I think, and, and, and her own sister, uh, uh who comes with her. Um, but I think that women and men are protagonists in so many of these stories and so many of the stories, um, there's a, there are these cycles of stories like the Porter and the ladies of Baghdad, which uh, Yasmin Seal translated for the Norton edition, uh, but also the wiles of women. There's entire story cycles made up of smaller stories, which are basically competitions between men and women, where they tell stories about and against each other. So I think there's something very rooted and, and elemental about these stories, which um, are almost like the songs that men and women tell, you know, sing against each other at weddings, you know, and, and, um, can't help but appeal to us. And I think it's important to keep both of those uh, levels in mind, you know, both the, the, the merchant who's trying to, you know, like, like Sinbad, he's getting shipwrecked and losing his fortune re remaking it. Um, yes, he's confronting rook birds and, uh, and gigantic serpents and valleys of diamonds. Um, but his mercantile exploits would have appealed to his listeners at these, at these cafes, often merchants themselves or people who had some kind of connection to trade, right? However, however humble. And I think that's also true of, of these stories of men and women that even if, even if the scale seems to be spectacular and, and, um, the, you know, in the frame tale, uh, King Shariar and, and King Shazaman are both betrayed and then they meet a girl, a young woman who's being kidnapped by a genie. And she is betraying this jinn, who is this powerful creature. So even though there's uh, the 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 presence and the omnipresence of magic in the stories, the mixture with the themes of trust and betrayal and love are very relatable. So I, I think there's a at the, the, at the core of the stories there's something there's a psychology which appeals to us. Uh, as I say, be it the sort of typical everyman mercantile story or be it these stories of men and women in a very urban landscape, um, learning to trust or, or to betray uh, each other. What are the narrative inspirations and enigma of the nights for storytellers and writers in particular? I think, I mean, I, I, I you know, I can think of um, particular conversations I've had with, with writers. Um, so for example, Salman Rushdie, I had a chance to talk to him Um about the appeal of the Arabian Nights, which is everywhere in his, <laughs> when he wrote Midnight's Children, um, his narrator describes himself as like working as fast as Sherazad and with the same purpose of postponing death. Um, 
I think it's always, when I think of people like him or Orhan Pamuk, the Nobel uh, laureate from Turkey, who I've also spoken to about his interest in the Arabian Nights, um, it's always a, a mixture of the technical um, devices which the, the story collection makes available to the writer and and the plots themselves. And I, I think it's, in, in a way, it's important to think of both of those levels. Um, so in the case of the storytelling devices, we have this wonderful device of, you know, somebody's telling a story about um, Sherazad and Shariar. And in this story, she volunteers to marry Shariar and she's telling him stories. And then she tells the story of the merchant and the genie. And then there are stories which are told within that story. These old men are telling these stories to save their lives or in the part of the Freelays of Baghdad. The dervishes tell their stories or the women of the house tell their stories. So there's this wonderful vertigo and this, um, what we would now think of as very modern or postmodern opening of dimension within dimension and dream within dream, like a, the movie Inception by Christopher Nolan. So that is a very appealing um, technique of embedding a story within a story for suspense, for magic, for, for uh, seduction. Um, and that is something which uh, writers from um, the Brontes to George Eliot to um, to Salman Rushdie and Orhan Pamuk, who I spoke to about this, are obviously very indebted to. Um, the, you know, the, the sort of metafictional story within story, Borges would say, the Argentine writer would say, it, it, it even at one point begs you to consider in the sort of Russian doll sequence of stories within stories at some point the reader wonders if, if she herself is just a, a character in somebody else's story and somebody's reading about her reading the Arabian Nights, right? Uh, or, or Murakami's use of the Arabian Nights also. So I think that's, it, it's very important to think about that, um, the technical devices that were made available, um, by the Arabian Nights. And then for some reason, of course, there are many instances of the frame narrative in literature from the Ramayana to, you know, we have in, 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 in different traditions and with Boccaccio and the Canterbury Tales as well. But there's something about how well the interplay works where Shahrazad is telling stories to save her life. And then in her stories, the characters are often in the fisherman and the genie and the merchant of the genie. They're confronting these jinn who will kill them unless they tell a, an amazing, wondrous story that will somehow console the interlocutor and, 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 uh, grant the teller of the story, uh, a reprieve from immediate execution. There's something about the predicament of the Arabian Nights and the way that the stories within the stories are deployed within, um, the story collection that seems to be particularly resonant. And James Joyce uses it, of course, in Ulysses and, and, um, so at Proust and so many writers have been inspired by it. So I think that's, that's, um, part of the enigma is, 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 is that, right? And there's something A.S. Byatt and, and other writers have also written about how, um, the, the, this embedding of these small stories within the larger stories, in a way, it, it seems to be kind of subversive of our expectations of a one theological story or, you know, like the Quran or the Bible or the Torah. Whereas in the Thousand One Nights, it's almost like the wonders and the pleasures and this and, and the taboo breaking of the little stories upend 
the grand morals and the grand politics of the f- frame narratives of the Caliph Harun al-Rashid wandering around the, uh, at night in disguise and always bringing order to things. And the small stories say they seem to be the, they do the opposite. They're kind of anarchic. They're often very transgressive. They deal with all sorts of taboos from incest to, um, and, you know, infidelity. And uh, as you said, in the frame narrative or um, all sorts of uh, religious and political and sexual subversions. So there's that lovely tension between, you know, yes, the king will restore order or the caliph will restore order. But the individual stories go in their own place and they, they seem to be bustling with a life that cannot be contained by logic or, or by order or by reason. Um, so there's that wonderful, I, I don't know if the, if the word enigma is it, but it's, it's part of the sort of, uh, aesthetic pleasure of the balance between, um, small adventures, uh, embedded in, within, within larger, uh, conflicts and, and, uh, and stories. Right. Although there is little agreement on what belongs in Knights, the collection has neither a single authoritative manuscript mm-hmm. nor a known author. The work was collected over many centuries by various authors, translators, and scholars across West, Central, and South Asia and North Africa. Some tales trace their roots back to ancient and medieval Arabic, Egyptian, Sanskrit, Persian, and Mesopotamian literature. But we do have some information about its frame mm-hmm. story that is shared in the beginning of this episode. Could you talk about its origin? So the um, yeah, folklore specialists tell us that stories often move uh, west from India and from China through the Silk Road, <laughs> through the Arab world to, the, to, to Europe. And certainly something like that seems to be going on with the frame tale of Shahrazad and, and Shariara in the Thousand and One Nights. Uh, we know that there are, there is a tale uh, a little bit like the tale of a king killing off a bride each night in India. Uh, so probably there is, there's a, there's a direct, con- uh, connection there. And we also know that there are other versions, um, of this Persian frame story, as we can tell from the, from the name Shahrazad and Shariar and Danyazad and Shahzaman, that these are Persian names. And we know that there are references to a story collection in Persian that would have been imported into Arabic. Unfortunately, we don't have that book. We just, we just know that there is, that, that, that this frame tale came from there. Um, but, uh, one of the things in which I think, um, is so appealing about this frame tale is that we have another version of it with the same uh, characters of Shahrazad and, and, and her sister, Danyazad, uh, in the 101 Nights, which is a, kind of like a, a cousin of the 1001 Nights. And in that story, um, uh, which is maybe, some scholars would argue, older than the version that we get in the 1001 Nights, the, the frame is that has this wonderful competition between, between this very vain king who celebrates the fact that he's the most beautiful man in the world in the public square, he gathers all the men in his kingdom in this public square once a year, and he has he has uh, people uh, roll out this gigantic circular mirror. And he has his back to the town square. He looks at himself, and then he looks at the people, the men behind him, and he's like, "Well, you know, who is the most handsome in his kingdom?" And uh, in uh, in that version of the story, the basic conflict emerges because an, an old merchant actually puts up his hand one year and you're supposed to say you are, <laughs> you are. 
Uh, but one year a merchant says, no, there's actually a merchant's son far away that I, that I saw a young man who's 20 who's better looking. So that it's in that version, it's, it's not sh- the king. If you have enjoyed this episode so far and want to hear the entire episode, you can subscribe at theglobalnovel.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. 